<laughs> Welcome to Facing Fear with Sarah. My name is Sarah McInerney Hawk. I am your host. I went from 30 flirty and thriving to 30 flirty and surviving. I was diagnosed with breast cancer at age 30, and prior to that, I had faced a lot of fears in life, which led me to creating this podcast in 2019. Fast forward, here we are many years later, and I've interviewed over 100 different guests with many stories of how they face fear while remaining unapologetically authentic. That is what we are here to do, encourage you to live your life unapologetically and authentically. The Facing Fear world recently got a little bit bigger because a new part of it is in the world, and that's my book, my very first book. It's called Does Carcinoma Mean Cancer? It covers the four days between being tested for cancer and finding out that I had it, and the funny things that happened in between. Well, you know, funny, happy, sad, etc. It can be found anywhere on Amazon, and it's a graphic memoir, which means it is 70% art, 30% text, and it's 74 pages long. So it's something you could read in one sitting, revisit multiple times because the art has a lot of dual meanings and I'm so proud of it. Go check it out on Amazon or facingfearwithsarah.com backslash book. All right, let's get into this week's episode. We're back continuing with season five, episode three, which is part two of my black history month celebration. I found a creative way to pull some highlights from previous guests on the show that let us inside their lives and, of course, how they have faced fear along the way. So hopefully you'll hear something new today or maybe a reminder of an old episode you've heard before if you've listened to every episode along the journey. I'm sure it'll make you go back and want to listen to the entire story. Welcome to the Facing Fear podcast. I'm your host, Sarah McInerney Hawk. On this show, I interview individuals who have faced fear and have overcome them in the pursuit of their own unapologetically authentic lives and sharing with us how they did so, so we can face some fear of our own ourselves. You can find this show everywhere online at www.facingfearwithsarah.com, on social media at Facing Fear with Sarah. And of course, buy a newsletter as well. I can appear in your inbox just once a month if you're looking for some inspiration, more discounts, and more things about the world of facing fear. There's many ways to support the show. You can donate at facingfearwithsarah.com backslash donate. You can buy yourself a badass piece of merch at facingfearwithsarah.com backslash merch, or you can purchase one of Tool Facing Fear tools that I endorse. First being the little Viper, it's the world's smallest wearable pepper spray, and it's a $20 investment that could literally save your life. Visit littleviper.com and use discount code SarahMC. Or the MPAC, which is a hiking backpack, dumbbell, barbell, kettlebell, so many different things in one, which if you haven't built your home gym yet, this is exactly how you can do that with one tool instead of many different pieces of equipment that are going to bang up your garage floor or maybe inside your house. And you can go visit evolvedmotion.com backslash Sarah Mac, S-A-R-A-M-A-C to get a little discount there. Thank you so much. If you want to engage on social media, that's always helpful. You can write a review that takes two seconds. It makes a world of a difference for me and the show to be able to grow. So check it out and let's take a listen to this week's episode. 
On the show today, first up, we have Joshua Sims. Josh is originally from Gary, Indiana, an area in northwest Indiana with a reputation that often outweighs what the city is actually like. Once called the murder capital of the U.S., citizens of this underdog city are determined to uplift their environment. Inspired by his architectural studies, Josh started the Just a Kid from Gary podcast to highlight individuals who grew up in cities like Gary and are now doing amazing things. I am the host of the Just a Kid from Gary podcast, a a podcast that inspires others around the globe to achieve their dreams and make them a reality. And in that podcast, I highlight individuals that grew up in Gary or cities like Gary and now are doing amazing things. And uh, I did that basically to really just encompass and really just shed light on all the beautiful things that people are doing and really put my city back on the map where it belongs. Thanks for having me. <laughs> I'm super excited to have you on today, Josh, because we grew up about, you know, Gary's 15 minutes north of Griffith. And it's just so cool how we spent so much time growing up in the same area. Both went to Ball State and now both are Indianapolis, but yet we've met through this virtual COVID world. And so, um, really cool to connect with you. So let's just start off. Will you tell us a little bit about growing up in Gary, Indiana? Because even if you're not from Gary, Indiana, you know where Gary, Indiana is. You've heard of it before. So tell us about growing up there as a kid. Um, growing up in Gary is probably the most or the best experience uh, for a child, um, good and bad. And the reason why I say it is because I'm a product of Gary. Uh, the Jacksons are a product of, of Gary. Um, Glenn Robinson is a product of Gary. And so these are greats, by the way, and within their own, you know what I'm saying, arts and, 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 and specialties and professions, they're all great people. And we've had great mayors and things of that sort. But I start by saying it because the city, the city really produced um, some amazing people. And so growing up there, um, it, it really just forced me to um, really become my own person. Um, growing up was like getting in trouble sometimes, you know, finding my way. Um, the city, uh, it has its, just like every city, it has its, its pros and cons. Um, and one of the, the, the big, the, one of the biggest things for me is, is the people that I was able to grow up with. I learned probably lessons that adults learned as adults, but as a kid. Um, I was able to um, experience certain things that um, maybe everybody might not experience, you know, just by being in a city of poverty or just being in a city that, you know, um, has some has some has some real extreme needs. But what kept my head out of trouble and 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 out of a lot of the the trouble that I could have gotten in was my mom. She was really amazing. Um, she was a she's a God fearing woman. She belongs to the church, and so that really just kept my head outside of uh, the the things that I could get into. Um, and so that you know, with that when, within that within that you know, I'm I'm very thankful for you know even my mom. She was she grew up in Gary, so she's a product mm. of Gary too. So it's just like the city is amazing, you know. But mm. you just it's just what what cup are you drinking out of the half full or the half empty? But like I said, it made me the man I am today. I had ran across this documentary called The Pruitt I Go Myth. It was a it was a myth on uh, St. Louis. It was public housing in St. Louis. And it was this it was this just grungy story. It, it first started out very romantic, right? It was the perfect concept of black, white, Hispanic, Asian coming together to live. And 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 this is back in the I believe, I don't, 
I'm not going to put the date out there because I don't know accurately, but it was so beautiful because up until this time, we had so much racial discrimination. People didn't really want to work together and people didn't really want to live together. And so this, I'm like, wow, like, okay, Pruitt-Igo. So it comes, it comes together as in St. Louis public housing for all. And after a few short years, it dies. The concept dies. And who was left to struggle was the black and brown people left in those situations. And it got me thinking, what happened to my city? Because I remember my parents saying it very distinctively and all the time, I remember Gary in his heyday. Gary in his heyday was fantastic. Gary in his heyday was amazing. You can go shop. You can do this. You can go play. You can work. You can find employment opportunities. And the city that I was living in, not even, I mean, not even close. Mm-hmm. I mean, we had the, during the 90s, we had the murder capital. You know, I had to deal with all these other things. And so it just got really, really What's the word? Mm. Um, what is that word? Epiphany? It was epiphany. Epiphany. I had an epiphany moment. So I literally went and started just doing crazy research to try to figure out what was the problem with Gary. So yeah, I learned how to learn. That was my biggest thing. Wow. I said all that to say that. I love that you ended it there because um, we grew up in the region at similar times because we're only a year and a half apart. And I grew up in Griffith, which is um, like I said, 15 minutes south of Gary, but growing up, all I knew as a young woman was don't go to Gary. It's dangerous and don't drive through there at night, which I just listened to. And I'm going to link this in the show notes. Josh on a recent episode did an episode called five ways we can take back the city of Gary. And he talked a lot about the history of Gary. I kid you not, that's the first and the most I've ever learned about Gary, and I lived 15 minutes away from it for 18 years, and it has such a rich history, and you talked about exactly that, how it blew up, and there were all these opportunities, and then I think it was the steel mills that started, the U.S. started going overseas more, and then it just kind of fell down, and the same thing, the people that were left to pick up the pieces were people of color, and the community of color, and I just, like... Just hearing that and that, like knowing you now, I feel almost ignorant for not questioning anybody. And don't get me wrong, like when you're a kid and a parent says like, okay, congratulations, here's the car keys, you're 16, like don't go in these areas. You're like, yeah, yeah, like it's your car, like I get it. But I feel like ignorant for never questioning that. So is that what kind of sparked like your interest for like taking back the narrative of Gary? Because it doesn't have a great narrative a lot of the time and people are quick to judge and move on. So is that something that kind of sparked it? Was that epiphany? Because I realized that white planners were probably the worst for the racial divide in the situation that we were because they were the people that created these living quarters. Mm -hmm. See, we can say, okay, it's, it's the police or it's this and that. And everybody has their own part into this this, this, right. this messed up system. They do. And they all play their role. But I, I personally look at planners differently because planners are the ones that said, hey, these are going to be considered white suburban areas. And these are going to be considered the projects. And we're going to divide them through highways. We're going to divide them by telling the banks to redline certain people and communities. So it really was frustration after I, after it was first education. Mm-hmm. And this is why, this is why I preach it all the time. Please go learn. Like, please, that's the best thing that we can all do. History is so phenomenal because it doesn't tell lies. It tell exactly yeah. 
what happens. That's that's the beautiful part about history. And that's why I love history so much. Yeah. And that episode was so good. You taught me so much. So listeners highly recommend you go listen to it. I'll link it in the bio. Absolutely. But yeah, like history is so important. I believe in it so much that I'm like, okay, I got frustrated. I got tired. I was I was angry. And I, there was some emotional things that mm-hmm. happening because I'm like, yo, I grew up in this mm-hmm. city. And I was like, not that I can be the one to like, you know, tell them, but I think I should be the one that be to say something, you know? And so, um, yeah, what really got me on it was just education. I started learning. I hear all the time that we, we want to change and we might, you know, be in our little small conversation saying, this has to change or when is it going to change? But I, I really just, I really want people to know that like there's change within you. You have the power. So what helps you get over that cliff and face that fear? That's a great question. It's when someone hit me up, they send me a message and they say, hey, I looked at Gary like this or I was afraid to do this or I don't hear much conversation about, you know, Gary or this, whatever I'm talking about. I don't hear much conversation or positive conversation about that. And I appreciate you doing it. That in itself is probably the most confident, like it's the best confident builder uh, for me because I realized that I can't, I can't think about like somebody's criticism. I can't think about that because there's somebody that needs the piece of information that I have. And who am I to not allow that information to enter the world just because of my subconscious fear? I don't want to be labeled or, or excuse me, I ain't been labeled. I don't want that allow me to stop from helping other people. And my goal, and I know my goal, and a lot of us, our goal is to help people is what we were put on this God green, beautiful earth to help people. And so with that being said, I, I genuinely, I genuinely think that and I'm helping others. That's what it's about. And that, and the fact that I know that no more fear. As we are celebrating Black History Month in this country, I had the honor of having a chat with Samson Levingston over on the Facing Fear Instagram Live. Samson is such a ball of energy who turned a small blog into a historical tours all around Indiana that he calls Through Two Eyes. He shared his journey with us and a few of his favorite historical facts. You can watch or listen to our short little episode on any time on the Facing Fear with Sarah Instagram. Please go check out his business and take a walk and talk tour yourself if you are a individual located in central Indiana. His website is throughtwoeyes.com. That's T-H-R-O-U-G-H, the number two, E-Y-E-S dot com. If you would like to hear more of Josh's story, which I highly recommend, go back and listen. He was on season four, episode four. It is also linked in the show notes. So finally, in this two-part series, we finish off with Matt Brents. Matt came onto the show to share more about his life, and wow, did he ever. His episode is a part of season three, episode 10. For now, take a listen to this shorter version. Um, I'm Matthew Brent. Um, I have worked for Fenison for 20 years. 
not only in the transportation department, but as a supervisor of receiving. Racism in general, it's awkward for me to deal with because of how I did grow up. Uh, I grew up in Pike Township. There's a large mix of people. It was Caucasians, Blacks, uh, Hispanics. This was back, I graduated in 1994. Okay. Played football, played other sports, was in so choir. <laughs> did, did things with people, you know, and it and it always amazed me whenever an issue of black and white came up, everybody looked towards me, hmm. like I am supposed to be the one that speaks for all black people, and that's not the case. It's just you want to just be seen, you know, you want to be heard. But you also don't want to be, I, I'm, I don't want to be a, a person that is the voice for somebody else that may have different views. Right. Lincoln Middle School, going through the sixth grade, same friends, same group of friends since elementary school, everything else, and learning history, but never actually hearing anything about slavery how that came about. You heard a lot about the you heard a lot about the Civil War and the Confederacy. Mm-hmm. But not what was actually going on. Like who all fought. I think you learned at, at my age anyway, I think I learned more from the movie Glory than I did from any of the teachers there. You had talked about the res- support you've received and how important that is going forward. So if you just want to share maybe how we can do that, best approaches or whatever you'd like. Anybody of any race means it is the actual support of your friends, just other people that are around you that are close to you. If you are in a biracial family, that support goes a long way. Brothers stick up for brothers. Brothers stick up for sisters. Sisters stick up for their brothers. It should be the same way all across the board whether it is your friends or not. If somebody actually, if, if a Caucasian person or a black person or a Hispanic person starts talking about another race in an undesirable fashion, and it's not, even, even in most joking cases, like almost all joking cases, there's some sort of background to that of some sort of hate. That needs to be eliminated. Somebody needs to actually support and speak up and say, hey, this is not needed here. You know, can we change the subject? You know, and and then explain to them, hey, this is why this is not good. Because if not, then it's just going to keep happening. You know, there's not really uh, uh, another way to actually support somebody other than to actually just physically tell them when it comes to something like this. Mm-hmm. Now, when it comes to the educational support of everything, that is on a state and government level. I've always wondered why whenever we actually have the census and money is divided out between the states, why does all the money go to your already thriving communities. Mm -hmm. That does not make any sense to me. How come Hamilton Southeastern has Lucas Oil Stadium for a football field 
but yet an inner city school can't even afford footballs. That makes no sense to me. No. That type of support is on a government level, which still, even though we have taken down statues, even though we've taken away other racist symbols as in Antimima and such, there still have not been any real laws that have been changed. That needs to actually happen to where everybody can actually thrive instead of the rich getting richer. That is another kind of support that we actually need for for any of the youth that's in an impoverished neighborhood. There's so many schools that don't have laptops, but yet they actually have um, security all throughout their school. Mm-hmm. They have police all throughout their school. They have metal detectors all throughout their school, but they don't even have laptops. Yeah. And to me, that's a shame. Yeah. The support is, is highly necessary when it comes to any of this getting any sort of resolve. And it's not going to take, it's not going to be an overnight thing. Taking down some statues, that type of stuff is not going to, it's not going to cure all right. right off the bat. It's going to take some time. In a normal relationship, it takes the same amount of time that you were actually in the relationship for you to get over somebody. <laughs> so it's going to take years before people actually understand the right thing to do. Because you hear a lot of, hey, well, why don't you treat your, your neighbor like you would treat yourself? But from those same people, you will hear horrible things coming out of their mouth. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, all of that needs to change, but it's going to take some time. Hopefully, by the time my granddaughter gets to my age, there's at least something going forward. Laws have been changed. Something has been changed to actually fix what's actually happened in the United States. Again, thanks to Matt and every single guest who has ever come on this show. Sharing your heart, your fears, and how you've overcome them will never, ever get old. If you'd like to listen to Matt's fullest episode, go back to Season 3, Episode 10, or hit the link in the show notes. I hope you enjoyed listening to these past two episodes and take some time to celebrate Black History Month by listening. Literally. <laughs> Hearing other stories and how they face fear can give us all a little bit more empathy, which we know the world could definitely use more of. Next week's guest is Ronnie Jefferson, who, when I asked how he's faced fear, he said, I had a successful run in the entertainment business and then lost it all. I had to start over from nothing but betting on myself. Don't miss this story coming next week. I will see you then. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of the Facing Fear podcast. I'd love to know what you think, so please leave a review on Apple's podcast app, or you can go to the Facing Fear with Sarah Facebook and leave a review there as well. If you or someone you know has a story of overcoming fear to pursue their own definition of success, please submit yourself or that person as a guest. You can do that at facingfearwithsarah.com. Until next time, I'll see you in the social media world. You can find the show everywhere at Facing Fear with Sarah or communicate directly by emailing hello at facingfearwithsarah.com.
you made it to the end of the episode. So I'm going to give you a little surprise. I was recently published in the Wildfire Magazine. It is the first and only publication for and by those who are too young to be affected by breast cancer. And you can go get this issue at a discount. So visit wildfirecommunity.org and use code wildfire15 or even better, use the link in my social media, in the show notes today. And if you use that particular link and the code, you can not only save yourself money, but you can also earn me a little bit of money as I get a kickback from every purchase used under Sarah's link. So go check it out in the show notes. The issue is themed the new normal and This is relatable for anybody who's been through some kind of storm in life and is trying to figure out who they are and who and what and how and why life goes on afterwards. So check it out. Go visit wildfirecommunity.org. Use code wildfire15 to save on your version of a print or digital copy of the latest issue called The New Normal. Thank you so, so much for your support.